Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast hosted by yours truly, Mike Moynihan. Another week has gone by and I get to do another episode. <laughs> it's like, okay, what am I going to do now? And this was kind of easy. This was set up a, a while back because I've been trying to get at least one of our guests on our, on my show for a long, long time. I've a, I ask him, he's like, no, I don't want to do it. Not that he doesn't want to do it. It's just he that wasn't his thing. The other guy that I'm going to have on the show is was on just a few weeks ago, but he's an expert in what we're going to be talking about tonight, or at least he thinks he's an expert, and he knows I'm just kidding. Uh, but we're going to talk about some really cool stuff. But I have to take care of a little housekeeping business first and foremost. Last week, so glad to have Daniel Harine on from Pop Fly Pop Shop. If you haven't listened to that episode or watched that episode, go watch it. It was great. So much fun talking to him about what he does, where he's mashing cardboard and uh, baseball heroes with comic books. It's just so, so cool. And one of the things that he wanted to do was give away a pop fly pop shop to uh, one of the people that leaves a comment. A lot of people left comments. A lot of people didn't follow instructions. So I only included the ones that followed instructions and your instructions were simple. Put down in the comments in addition to whatever else you wanted to say, your favorite pop fly pop shop. And so I had a bunch of those people that did that. I'm going to do the drawing now. We had how many here that, that did this? Uh, there are 26 entries. And so if you made a comment, I, I went through all the different comments and wrote down everyone's name and they're all here. And so now I'm going to uh, randomize it. Uh, three times. I'm going to shuffle it and then I'm going to spin it and we'll have a winner. One, two, three shuffles. And now I'm going to spin. And we'll see who wins this. I will have a code for you. I'll tell you what to do here in just a second to the winner who is Adam Gorlick. Adam Gorlick, you have won a free Pop Fly Pop Shop. And so what I need you to do is shoot me an email at uh, gonzalesnut, G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z-N-U-T at hotmail.com. And I will get you a, uh, actually that, I can't remember. No, I have it in other emails or other videos, not in this one. Uh, but yeah, gonzalesnut at, at uh, hotmail.com. Shoot me an email. I will get you the code for a free Pop Fly Pop Shop. Congrats to you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. On to the topic du jour. I have long been fascinated in this hobby with all the different ways that companies, both 
food and beverage, uh, cardboard, you know, card companies, gum companies, whatever, have tried to get their product and promote their product. And, and baseball has long been a partner in advertising different types of products out there. And so people, players have lent their faces and images and likenesses to all kinds of different things over the decades. And I want to focus primarily on 50s and 60s this week. It's actually an episode uh, and topic that so many people have asked me to cover. And there's no one better to cover it with me than these two guys. We got Rick, Vintage Oddball Cards, and John Mangini. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having us. You bet. Uh, Rick, first time on the show. Yes, first time sir, really yeah. on any any podcast. Is this your first podcast? Definitely first podcast. Yes. Okay. Podcast. I've been on a few live streams, uh, John's and uh, James Elite Hunters, and uh, I promised James that he would be the first one uh, at the National a couple of years ago. He's bugging me and bugging me. I said, I promised him. John's been bugging me, and uh, Mike, you've asked a few times, and so it's uh, it'll be fun tonight. And John just said, "Hey, I want to be on the show again." So here he yeah. is. Now I the one that wanted John because John's an, literally an expert when it comes to these type of cards we're going to talk about and the, the sets. Yeah, Go Rick ahead. and I share a lot of uh, texting back and forth all the time on different card sets. So thought we'd share it with a broader audience. Well, if I could have gotten. Uh, Dave Blue Jacket 66, I would have had the triumvirate of knowledge. There we go. Yeah. And I, I think it's so important for all of you out there. There's so much knowledge out there. And hopefully this podcast helps you gain some additional knowledge to your to what you know about the hobby. And hopefully I'm gonna I'm excited to see what I can learn tonight. Rick, I, I love telling the story about how you and I met. Um I'll let you tell it tonight because I tell it often to other people. Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, you know, a guy who's been in uh, 19, 2019. I uh, had three discs removed from my neck, replaced, and I had one of these big neck casts on for like three months. And I was in so much pain initially. I was turning on, uh, I was looking for anything in the middle of the night, you know, on YouTube and here, baseball cards. What? this is great. You know, took my mind off it. Mike's channel, other people's channel. I thought this, this is right up my alley, man. I love baseball cards. Who am I going to show baseball cards to? My wife doesn't care. My son's a big sports fan. He doesn't care. And then uh, I said, you know what? I'm going to go to the national. I have to go to the national. My first national first day walking around. I noticed Mike and uh, Mike kind of looks at me, do I know you? Well, <laughs> I know you, but you don't know me. And we had a little conversation, kind of explained, hey. And Mike said, hey, come on, we're going to do something, uh, get together tonight. Uh, come on over, you know. And I did, met everyone, was real, real nice. And uh, from then on, man, I'm, I've been hooked on uh, YouTube and the card community. And you have your own channel, which is Vintage yeah. Oddball Cards. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it, I, I love what you, the, the knowledge that you drop and always trying to help people and you show just amazing stuff. And then of course, John does that, you know, daily, almost it daily, feels like, uh, daily, <laughs> near daily. So I got two guys, the, the right two guys to talk about this again. I wish I had Dave too, then it'd just be insanely awesome, but Dave was unavailable. So we're going to do our best to get through this. 
I don't even know where to start with what we would define. And I know so many people in the hobby hate the word oddball, right? John does. I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. And, and John a, card, a card's John a card. Is. And I agree with you, John. Uh, let's just call it um, non-standard or non. What, what, what's what's the proper politically correct way to describe these cards? I mean, I you know, to me, it's a card. I, I, just because they weren't issued by Tops doesn't mean it's a different card. Cards were issued in different products, going back to the beginning of the hobby. They were in cigarettes. They were in candy. They were in cakes. I mean, you name it, right? Yeah. So Tops, they were with bubble gum. And Bowman. Yeah, but they're still unusual, right? They're definitely not your standard card a lot of times because of either the size, the method of distribution. Uh, well, I don't know. know about that, Mike. I mean, T206 isn't a normal size. That's true. And that's not considered oddball. <laughs> I actually consider them oddball a little bit. But, uh, but Rick, how would you define oddball cards or what what's your way well, I, I kind of grew up uh when i was a kid my dad would call him oddball because he wasn't a collector and he says why are you collecting this uh you know these post serial cards or uh, <laughs> you know bazooka cards and uh these are oddball cards and so that's basically i grew up on oddball cards and uh so i just determined <laughs> i know people don't like it but uh yeah, it's just a word, you know. It, it's certainly a term used in the hobby. Yeah. And we're going to use it tonight just because it's, it's, people will be familiar with that term. It's basically just anything that's not your standard tops Bowman, you know, issue from the 50s or 60s. And I, and I want to spend time in those two decades, especially because there were some really creative and inventive. And some of the oddball stuff I think is horrible, actually, ironically. But, in terms of the way it looks, I just think it's like, well, it's so ugly, but that doesn't mean I don't have them, which is the funny part is even if you think they're ugly, it's kind of like your dog. If your dog's, you know, kind of one of those ugly mutts, you still love your dog, you know, it can still be the greatest dog. So where do we want to start? What do you guys want to start with Rick? I'll let you kind of start talking about some different sets that you love and what, why you love them. Yeah. So, you know, when I uh, first got in the hobby or, you know, if I wanted, let's say, a mantle or a maze, you know, tops cards even back 20 years ago were expensive for me. So how, you know, I can get a mantle uh, post serial card or a maze post serial card, you know, and uh, for you know half the price, a quarter of what the tops card would cost me. So, you know, I started collecting those types of cards, and then I started to enjoy. You know the back the research on it post serial what years you know uh how did it what what serials were they on you know what was the i just loved the research of them and so that's kind of how i got started but i mean we could start with uh however when did, when you, did you start rick sorry to interrupt you when did you start doing that was that in the 80s 90s or was it later that was uh that would have been around uh God, I ran around 2002, 2003 when eBay first, you know, where uh, I got, I didn't realize I'm on eBay now, just like YouTube, man, you can buy cards on eBay. Yeah. You know, this is back when eBay first kind of got started graded cards. And uh, so I was going, you know, I can't afford a, uh, like even a back pre-war, a Ty Cobb card, but I can afford a Colgan 
chip beat up Ty Cobb chip card, you know, for, for a hundred bucks back then or whatever. So then I started getting into, you know, maze mantle. Cause I already have all the tops cards. I grew up on the tops cards, Bowman cards. So I have all, all the cards, basically they're not in all great shape. You know, I collected them as a kid, but I have them. So I started to venture out onto uh, oddball cards, some other issues that I, when I was first married and this, I couldn't afford, you know, some of the uh, high end tops cards, but I could afford, you know. You, the, me you mentioned two things there that I want to ask John about real quick before we get into some favorites. Two things you said that I think are incredibly important for collectors out there that are listening to this to consider. One is you already, Rick, John, Rick mentioned he had all the top, you know, all the top cards, all the, but he knows what, we all know what those look like, right? And yep. the discovery of the unusual, the discovery of the not so common, I think brings an additional joy, right? You, you kind of like, whoa, Eureka, you have this moment of, I've never seen that before. I've seen a 52 tops mantle. I know I could literally draw it in my sleep kind of thing. I've seen it so many times. All these cards are so commonplace to us. Yet the unusual is special. Do you agree with that, John? Uh, absolutely. You know, that's that that's what it's it's like you're a little kid all over again when you discover some of these some of these uh, more obscure cards. Like the first time that I saw a, a Ted Williams, uh, Wilson Franks card or, or the dandy Mickey Mantle, those kinds of cards. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a whole new world. It opens up a whole new world to collect. It does. And I think that's important for, you know, if you. If the mainstream is, if you're getting, some collectors get bored and they just want to try something different. Hopefully this will, through this conversation tonight, spark some things for you to kind of go look at. I had a guy actually email me right before we I hit record for this show uh, for a collection that we had bought for Chasing Cardboard or, or consigning. And he's like, man, I don't know if you found any armor coins, but that's my specialty. And I'm like, as a matter of fact, I have a whole ton of them sit that's why they're all i pulled them all out because this guy's wanting a list of all the ones i have because he's collecting armor coins which were i guess in armor hot dogs back i have all of mine are from 1960 and it's so just like i would have thought i might not have thought anything of them right but there's people out there that love to collect all of this stuff another thing you mentioned rick that i think john can reinforce is especially not necessarily today in the hobby there was a time 15, 20 years ago when the oddball stuff was significantly cheaper than the mainstream cards. And you could buy, like you said, Rick, those uh, star and superstar players, Hall of Famers for a fraction of the cost of what their mainstream Topps or Bowman card would would be. Do you agree, John? And how has that changed, in your opinion, over the years? Yeah, I agree. Um, there, and I was like, Rick, a, a lot of times you, you couldn't afford uh, the mainstream, you know, hottest cards of those great players so you would turn to the post serial and those types of cards uh, but that certainly has changed um you know i mean like when you're looking at like the like i like i brought up the ted williams um uh, wilson franks or the dandy mantua i mean those sell for a lot of money now you know they're some of the most coveted cards and a lot of that has changed i remember the sanella um babe ruth yeah i mean you couldn't give that card away for, for a time. And now, you know, even in lower grades, so for last I looked around 3,000, 3,500. 
What do you think has contributed the most to the kind of appreciation slash, you know, Rick, if you were to think about what's resurgence, isn't maybe a word, but just the, maybe the emergence of the appreciation for the obscure oddball stuff. Well, I think, um, for me, it has to do with the rarity of, of a lot of them. Um, like uh, I just picked up a, uh, was I'm looking at right now, a 54 Stallmeyer Franks Willie Mays. And uh, it's very expensive, but you don't see them every day. Um, I mean, you're, if you go on to eBay, you might not see one for sale. If you do, the guy wants $20,000 for it, you know? So I think it's the, for me, and I think other collectors, it's kind of the rarity of it. You just don't see them every day and uh, people are going to pay up for these types of cards. Now, of course, post serial cards, they're all over the place. I mean, I could show you binders and binders of them. When I was a kid, my mom would go to flea markets. She'd bring home post serial cards. Um, but there's some of them that are just, to me, so scarce, um, especially any kind of decent condition that, People pay up for these types of cards. I don't know what John thinks, but uh, um, yeah, for me, it's uh, it's two things really. Uh, number one is exactly what you said. I, I, I too, and that's why we get along so well. Chase the more obscure and the rarer cards, or more scarce cards. But then, in addition to that, when you've been collecting as long as me and Rick, you know, we have uh, we have all the top sets and everything. So. <laughs> As, as you as you mature and you're collecting or just just a matter of time, you know, you run out of things to buy. You have to move to those other sets, really. So I think that contributes to it, too. And, of course, with the pop reports and everything, people are realizing how scarce these are. And also with YouTube and other education, you know, a lot of people didn't might not have known these existed before. You know, almost every video, I get a comment saying, I've never seen that before. I didn't know those existed before. And then my viewers are on eBay trying to <laughs> trying to find one, you know. I get that all the time. So if you didn't know it was uh, in existence, you wouldn't even go shopping for it. Just out of curiosity, you, I think the three of us have a pretty healthy amount of combined experience in the hobby. I'm at 41 years. Rick, you're at how many? Man, yeah. <laughs> I started my very first uh, box I opened was 71 tops. Okay. That's how old I am, 71 tops. So that's 51 years. So 41, 51, and John? Uh, my first pack I remember opening was 1973. Oh my, that's the year I was born. Good God. Uh, so <laughs> I was very little. My, my mom started buying me cards when I was like two years old. I don't know why. <laughs> What's so kind that, of crazy? What's kind of crazy is uh, one thing. I, you know, getting older. Uh, when we first started collecting, there was no e uh, eBay or computers. There was no checklist. You would have magazines. You had no idea how many cards were in a Stallmeyer set, a Red Heart set, or if you've ever seen one. You know, you. So I mean, it's completely changed the hobby to when we started to collect. You know, even tops yeah. matter. Uh, you know, you'd have the card checklist, you know, you go by those or um, it was just just a whole different time. Um, and nowadays people are getting more educated on the, uh, you know, the oddball type cards because you could definitely do you can find anything, pretty much research it um, on the computer. And uh, so I think that's another reason why I think people are kind of heading. Yeah, there, there were a couple of books I got my hands on. Um, 
in uh, the, like the late 70s, early 80s. And they, they featured some, um, in quotation marks, oddball cards and some of the more scarce cards. Like that's the first time I saw this, um, you know, Hank Aaron bazooka, for instance. And that's how I found out that existed. Or the Willie Mays uh, hires test. You know, that's that's how I found out that existed. But it was very few and far between, like Rick saying. You know, the education now, it's, it's easy to learn about these things. But back then, you know, if you didn't know it, you didn't know it. There was nobody to teach you about it. Yeah, I think the, the two things that to me have contributed the greatest to the emergence of these oddball things is A, like you have both mentioned, it's out there. People can go learn about it. There's a lot more readily available information through a Google search. You can probably find all kinds of different stuff watching on YouTube. You can do, you can learn about these sets and a lot of them are like, wow, that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, I've had people tell me, Oh man, I didn't even know that Dick Perez thing exists. You know, certain things that I have extensive knowledge about because I went and learned it like Rick, I love doing the research and love, man, how do I find out more about this? The funny thing is I never discovered any of the information myself other than, uh, like I don't get firsthand, I don't call tops or, you know, whatever and go, you learn it from that knowledge has been passed down over the generations of card collecting from other people that did do the serious grunt work to find this stuff out. The only thing I've ever discovered is when I interviewed Dick Perez and he mentioned that he got to pick who Don, who each Diamond King was every year. Donruss had no say in it. They didn't care. In fact, they didn't know much about cards from his uh, deal. He, and so they let him choose who he was going to portray in the Diamond King sets throughout the 80s and 90s. And whatever. That, was, that, was, <clears throat> that was a fantastic interview, by the way. Thank you. I enjoyed that. But I think another thing that has contributed tremendously to the, to the surgeons is set registries. If you think that People can, whether or not they use PSA to grade their cards or not, what the set registries provide is a wonderful checklist of, if you want every Willie Mays, Mickey Mantle, Hank Aaron, Del Crandall, whoever, right? There's a master checklist for all of those cards. And people are going, man, they may look, be looking at a Rick's favorite players, Willie Mays, right? So you look down the list or John's is, uh, you know, Clemente or somebody like that. And you go down this list, you're like, I never heard of that before. And so it may not even be that you're chasing a PSA version of that card for the set registry, but it, it gives you or, or trading card database or, you know, other different checklist online systems where you go, wow, I need to find out what that is and learn about it. Uh, I think that's contributed tremendously to uh, the, the popularity of this kind of stuff. I mean, Agreed. the hunt too. I mean, I love the hunt. I mean, John and I, Hey, John, yeah, look at this card here. I found <laughs> here, there, where. Did Have you ever you, see this before? Yeah. I've never seen it before. Like I picked up a, uh, um, a 1952 Num Num Early Win Cleveland Indians regional set. I've never seen this before, um, but I recently picked it up. I didn't even know that this existed. Um, so it was just really cool to research it. How many you know how many cards are in the set it's all cleveland indians you know um yeah rick you had you had brought up the post serial and mike you just showed a uh, mickey mantle that you got 
And uh, there was some, you were talking, yours, yours was the perforated, right? Right. So those, those cards, uh, you know, some of them were issued on the back panel of the, of the cereal box and they were cutouts, but the perforated ones were actually a send in and you'd get a sheet. And there were a few cards on the sheet that weren't on the boxes. Uh, th that's interesting. And then they had, then they had a life magazine. I have a copy of it and that yeah. had, um, Man that had Mano and Maris in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when I did that video, I, I thought I knew what it was, but I threw it out there. Anybody knows, tell me. And I got multiple comments <laughs> from people that yeah. knew exactly what that was, which obviously made me it reinforced what i was already thinking i i'd kind of remembered that but in the moment i was having a hard time but i don't it's okay people can like it yeah i think those perforated ones have been a mystery to most collectors so that, that's why i thought i'd bring it up well what's great I mean, about there's, perforated? A, there's a lot of things we don't know i mean i have the the stallmeyer meats somebody contacted the company you know hey how were these you know how were they put in the path they're directly touching the hot dogs. Was it on top of the hot dogs in between a layer of hot dogs? No one really knows. You know, there's a, the one I have, there's a number on there. It's a little stamp number one zero eight one. And John has a few doesn't have the stamps. I have the stamps. Is that, what's that mean? You know? Yeah. Uh, mine doesn't, I have don't know about some of these, even though we see them, there's not a lot of information on the card. Those stamps are a bit of a mystery. Yeah, I have this campy and uh, doesn't have it, but the ones you showed me do have it. And then I went, you know, I went round and round with Dave, um, uh, Blue Jacket 66, uh, uh, on the Briggs meat because there was a lot of research done on these and, and they came in, in sheets of two, and whether they were on top of the hot dogs or underneath the hot dogs. And uh, you know, in looking at them, I, I see faint hot dog stains on both sides, which leads me to believe they were in between the hot dogs. However, you know, the knowledge that's out there, uh, they, they say it was on top of the hot dogs. So, yeah, we don't necessarily know this for a fact. And it, it's amazing that a lot of this stuff is lost because somebody opened these out of hot dogs. But as as time goes on, especially when you get back to the 30s, 40s, 20s, there's nobody left to, you know, who opened them personally. Right. Yeah, I mean, so we're, we've been talking about this a lot, and we talk about all this knowledge that we've gained. If if someone out there is listening and they want to go, they really like certain cards, or they don't even know what rabbit hole they want to go down in the vintage oddball world, where, where are some resources? Rick, you go first. What are some resources people can use to kind of find out information about this stuff? Well, I mean, the way I, I mean, I, in my, my first life, I was a teacher. So I love doing, you know, background research on stuff when I do a video or anything else. I like to be prepared. So, um, you know, I'm going to go, uh, I mean, just like you were saying about the tops, uh, the uh, registry report, you can go on there and go, hey, look at this. What is this? You know, 1954 Stallmeyer meat. Oh, they're also in 53 and 55, you know, and then go on the computer Type in 53, 54 Stallmeyer meat, and there's a lot of information. You can go on Net uh, 54. I'd learn a lot of stuff from Net 54. I mean, there's experts on there on certain uh, issues, sets. I mean, some people get to the deep down. Um, I mean, they know everything about it. And you, I learned that way by Net 54. So, and also, you know, just communicating with you guys, John 
great resource. Um, George Diamond Yard Sport, you know, cards is he's a great resource for what he collects. So I'm learning a ton on YouTube. You know, Dave Blue Jacket 66 does a great job on his channel. And I kind of, you know, those are the kind of channels I like. I can always see a card, you know, but I want to learn about the card. So I, I dig literally deep into a particular issue. Um, I mean, I really dig deep. I mean, I tell John all the time, hey, John, you know, I found this, uh, you know, hey, this is from this, this is from that. How did this, uh, you know, did this come in a box? Did you cut it out? This is not a, you know, it says hand cut, but these are not hand cut cards. PSA says they're hand cut, but they're not. They're factory cut. And John goes, yeah, yeah, these are all factory cut. So we just don't, you know, I mean, just, so that's just me. You know, John might be completely different. But since I was a former teacher in my old younger years, that's just just doing the research. Well, that's my that's my mindset, too. You know, I used to go all over the country and do seminars and I was always at the library back then. This was before it was easy to find information, just researching, researching. Like, I love to do that. And man, it's so much more fun to do it for cards and for work or anything else. But I had uh, I, I would I, I found several baseball card books when I was young. Like I was mentioning earlier, those were a, a really good education. And then, of course, Baseball Cards Magazine. I remember going into uh, a store and I couldn't believe they had a magazine for baseball cards. So I actually have the very first edition hanging on my wall. Uh, so those were places. And I always pretty much collected in obscurity by myself. So I would, I would get these, my hands on these magazines. Vi uh, Beckett Magazine, Beckett Vintage. And I discovered back in the day this old old cardboard magazine which i guess is it's a they still have a website now but they discontinued the actual magazine but i still have every one i ever got I, I subscribed to it and it was just a world of of knowledge of the early early baseball cards you know another just thinking about it i was telling mike uh, before we went on the air that i'm i have my two computers here i have some an rea auction i'm bidding on in heritage but if you could just just go on to rea auction and you can click on, and you're going to see cards you've never seen before. Um, and you learn that way too. And they have a brief description of the set, the card. And that's how I learn a lot of the information because they do the background on obscure type, you know, oddball cards. And I learned that way too, just going on to RA auction. If you just, you know, fill out an application, you know, they'll send you a, God, that thing is like a, I mean, literally, I don't know how they print those things out and send them to everyone. But I just going through those, you learn a ton, too. The auction houses. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I've learned a lot through uh, interaction with, with YouTube. Like Sean Tiford, The Chosen Roster is his YouTube channel. Uh, he'll text me stuff and, and <laughs> say, you need to check this out. It's stuff I've never seen before, even after all these years. And some of my rarest stuff is due to him sending me or introducing me, like the Overland Candy Jimmy Fox that I got, which is a, a real unique piece that it's the wrapper. The wrapper is the card and they're super, super rare. Like you may never see another one. Yeah. I love all the things you guys are mentioning are great. Net 54, which is a forum, by the way, an online forum. Uh, I think the standard catalog is good. I mean, I, I should, yeah. you guys all saw this. I did a, for my podcast listeners in this, weird collection i got i had these pink looking game cards and 
Did somebody just come to somebody's house? Yeah, somebody's at my front door. My <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> uh, but I had these pink. They, they look like somebody. It's looking like a wounded post, you know. And uh, so I found that I, I thought they were so interesting. I'm like, what are these? I thought they were just kind of random weird things. Well, I was talking to John Keating, who is that 70s card show. He's like, well, let's look them up. What card number? You know, and we start looking stuff up and doing the research. And, oh, they're from 7-Eleven, 1961. And we're like, uh, that's weird. Um, that never heard of them, you know. And then I find out from someone else that they were only issued in Texas and because 7-Eleven started in Texas. And so just all these super cool things that just by doing homework. And then I use the standard catalog of vintage baseball cards, which is another great, everybody should have. I meant to mention that. I meant to mention that everybody should have that. I I just go through and read it. I was reading it right before I got on here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Everybody should have a standard catalog. Um, Rick's had to exit stage left for a minute. So John, it'll just be you and me, but I had hoped when I got these 61 7-Elevens, like, oh, man, I got something John has probably never heard of. And <laughs> you turn out to disappoint me in the fact that you already ha- had heard of it and because I had never heard of them for sure. And so, Rick, all good at your door? Anybody? Yeah, I'm good. I'm <laughs> it's my next door neighbor, and they have a little kids, and uh, they're excited because we gave them something, and they were coming over to thank us, so. I thought maybe they threw a ball in the backyard and you had to go retrieve the soccer. Yeah, I know. That was the old days, man. When I was a kid, man, balls would be flying all over the place. And then the the next door neighbor dog grabbed your Babe Ruth signed baseball as it went over the fence. Like in the sandlot. Or, (laughs) you know, we always had to pick the kid that kicked it. Oh, you kicked it. You got to go ask the neighbor if you can go in their backyard and get the, get the ball. Like your, your fault, you know, um, you know, y'all mentioned also something that I thought was interesting. I, I think it's important for people to do their own research. And I say that because what a grading company might say on a on a flip, you know, of a graded card, hand cut versus factory cut. We know that they they don't know everything either. We like to think that they would. They don't. And there are so many times that things are mislabeled. Uh, or misidentified or whatever. And so I think it's it's really important to stress to everybody out there to do your own homework or listen to people that really know what they're talking about. You, you know, you find an expert. Well, well, yeah, Mike, I want to I want to add something to that. So I I've made a discovery on my own doing some research and and this is uh you know, even though there's all this information and people have been collecting for all these decades, there's still things they don't know. There's things that PSA gets wrong, right? So I got a, a, w, a W555 Hannes Wagner. Now, they, they used to be listed as 1907, and then PSA started listing them as 1909. Well, there's a uh, uh, Stan Kovaleski um, in the set, and he's with Cincinnati. Well, he was only with Cincinnati in 1910. So that means that those cards are either from 1910 or they were multiple years. But they still, the grading companies still don't recognize them as that as far as i know and all the all the labels i've ever seen either say 1907 or 1909 and so there's that's still a little bit of a mystery but i i mean you know you could you could be assured if if a player only was with that team in 1910 that they they were at least issued in 1910 and possibly over multiple over multiple years but they couldn't have been 1907 or 1909 then 
Yeah. Uh, un unless they were multiple years. Yeah. that And that happens, you know, we can't expect them to be perfect. I don't, if you own the card, does it really matter at the end? I mean, if it's labeled incorrectly, maybe it, but I'm well, just saying, my point is, is don't, don't take it as gospel. <laughs> no, but it yeah. I'd like to have the label accurate. Well, we all know 49 leaf is labeled everywhere for PSA as 48 leaf. Right. So, yep. Yep. Uh, you know, Dave and I did a video on that not a couple of weeks ago for golden age, you know, putting the, putting it to rest that it's 1949 leaf and, and Dave is very convincing. Um, Absolutely. Rick, I want to get into a little bit, some of your favorites, maybe from the fifties and sixties, different sets that you just think are so awesome. Maybe tell some stories about <clears> it and, all that, and then I'll let John do the same. I mean, hey, I, ju I just want to say that was Harry Kovaleski, not Stan. If anybody looks that up, <laughs> I got the, I got the wrong brother. No problem. Well, I mean, Too many names in my head. Some of my favorites would be the uh, red hearts, you know, the uh, beautiful, beautiful cards. You know, I have the, uh, for those that are watching on YouTube, I have a 54 Red Heart Mickey Mantle here. Beautiful cards. Um, I mean, the color of these things. Here's a Red Shanksteins, you know, just, just beautiful cards, you know. Even like the back where it has, it says on here, Red Heart, Big League Dog Food. I mean, just fantastic sets. Others would be, uh, you know, the... the uh, the Red Man tobacco cards are just beautiful cards, and you can get them rather inexpensive. I mean, for a museo, uh, yeah. some of the Hall of Fame Kiner. I mean, 30, 40 bucks, you're gonna you can own a uh, Ralph Kiner Hall of Fame player, Stan the Man. Uh, beautiful cards. If you see them in person, I mean, on YouTube or on eBay, they'll, they'll do them justice. Literally, they're just beautiful, beautiful cards. Uh, uh, what other ones? Uh, you know, just the uh, the one I was mentioning. I keep mentioning it because I just got this one, and Day Blue Jacket '66 told me, "Hey, you got to get this thing. This thing is gonna, in price, is gonna skyrocket." Is these stall miners? <clears throat> I mean, this one, most of them are gonna be a one. You're lucky to get a two. The reason is, is because again, they touch. They can see all the staining, but it doesn't matter to me because. It's Willie Mays. This is the way they came. I mean, literally touching the hot dog, but just beautiful cards, you know. They love the backs, you know, because the back tells a story. You can, a baseball kit, you can, you know, turn in the complete set, win a glove, a, a Bay Ruth card or whatever. It's just, just, I love that kind of thing, you know. So that's another issue. And you can, you know, the Mays, the mantle are very ex expensive, but you can pick up a Monty Urban relatively inexpensive, you know? Uh, so you don't have to get a Maze mantle. You can get, you know, a fringe Hall of Famer to a very good Hall of Famer. A uh, lot, lot of times, a lot cheaper than a Topps card, especially the Red Man, <clears throat> yeah, even the Red Hearts, you know? Yeah. Hey, those Red Hearts, do you know how those were distributed? uh well i know you can also you can i think it's up to 1972 literally you could order <laughs> them, the sets through the company but yeah, i know that's not the typical way yeah they, they weren't issued in with the dog food they were they were mail-ins and yes that's the interesting thing about those is the company honored those 
until the early 70s. Yeah. Which I, I don't know how many people would have actually still had them to send them in. I'm not, I, I wouldn't imagine there were many, but they did honor it uh, for many, many years. Well, the crazy thing, you know, the red man, you go, there's no staining on them. Well, they were in a plastic fixed to the actual tobacco pack or whatever yeah. box. So they weren't inside the box. So a lot of times you're going to, you know, they're going to be maybe a little bit bent because they're bigger size cards, but you're not going to have that kind of staining because they're actually outside of the, uh, Packaging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how cards are distributed is kind of fascinating too. Like the, so these are among the rarest cards in the hobby. The nineteen sixty two Pittsburgh exhibits, and they look like big playing cards. Like I think this is Satchel Page's most rare card. Yeah, very. He rare. has he has the sixty seven Venezuela, but this is way more rare than that. But these were issued in arcades at Kennywood Park in Pittsburgh, and I grew up in that area, and all all of us. All the schools had our, our summer picnics there. So kids went there once a year. But it's just fascinating. But growing up, I never saw these, even though I grew up in Pittsburgh. <clears throat> yeah, we were think, okay. Sorry. Go no, ahead. no, go ahead, Rick. You go ahead. No, I was going to say, you mentioned something about, you know, the grading or the eye appeal of the – I mean, it's very tough for these grading companies to grade some of these these cards. I mean, I have Imani Irving Dandy potato chips. It's 2.5 here. But they're staining all over the place. So how does PSA, you know, grade these types of things? I've seen them all over, not just PSA, but SGC. You know, even the uh, the cut, the how they the hand cut cards. You know, are they within the the border or the size? You know, just there you go. See, and then some of them have better eye appeal. You know, literally, um, I don't mind the staining because that's just the way the cards came. You know, but. You know, you're going to pay, pay high up for one that doesn't have that type of staining. What's so interesting, interesting with Dan? How, how the companies decide. So for collectors, I think, you know, don't go buy, you know, don't go buy a PSA 6 Monty Irvin Dan D. Uh, you know, buy if the affordable ones would be the way the card came. I mean, they're staining on it, you know. So I appeal just the way the card basically came out is kind of really cool to own. I don't know if yeah, you guys agree with me, but I mean, you know, it doesn't matter. I mean, literally doesn't matter. The Willie Mace here, Stallmeyer, staining all over the place. I can care less. Literally, I can care less. I'm not going to pay double, triple for one that's, I mean, I like this types of things because that's just the way they came. Now, you know, the modern collector, I'm just totally just the opposite, right? Everyone wants a PSA 10. I can't tell the difference between PSA 10 tops here or PSA 9. It, they all look great to me. Well, you know, when you're talking about 50s oddball type cards, you know, uh, they didn't come that way. So uh, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling on. I don't know if you can, you know, go over kind of one, maybe what I just mentioned or something. Go like ahead, that. John. I, I was just going to say the interesting thing about the dandies that people might not realize is they're Pittsburgh and Cleveland heavy. They have more pirates and, and Indians and others. Yeah. I actually love the dandy cards. Uh, they're one of my, I just think they're very well designed. Uh, the mantle is obviously a, a really great car. Is maze in that set? No, there's no, no maze. No. Okay. Like I said, it's Pittsburgh and Cleveland heavy, but there there is a there's like a Duke Schneider, Red Stain Dinks, 
Yeah. But there are, cool. uh, there's a there's a Bob Feller. That's a nice one. What's kind of cool is some of these why why some players are like uh, the Stallmeyer. Mays is in the 54. He's not in the 53. Probably because of the military. He's not in the 55, but he's in the 54. You know, some of these players, Mantle's and not some of these issues. You know, why isn't Mantle? Mantle's Mantle. Mays is Mays, but they're not in maybe because of their contract, you know, their licensing. But there's other things, too, that you were – I don't know. It just kind yeah, of – Yeah, I have to think it has to do with uh, their their contracts and, and uh, who they signed with because, you know, like Mays is in the hires and uh, Aaron, but there's no yeah. Mantle. Yeah. And then Mantle's in the, the Dandy and the uh, Red Heart, but there's no Mays, uh, even though, you know, he was a star by then. And you see this a lot, uh, like um, in, in other in other sets in the like the late '60s. You notice that it might be missing Hank Aaron, but it has all the other stars. Things like that. So I, I guess that's contractual. I would I would have to believe. I'm going to grab a couple of cards. Y'all keep talking. Y'all are doing great. Okay. So so Rick, one of the one of the. Do you know about the the royal desserts? Yeah, I do have. Uh, I picked one up at the. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you remember, but I did pick one up at the national. Wait, that was on Sunday. I picked it up, and you left. Oh, uh, okay. So these are <laughs> these these are pretty pretty scarce, and yes. here, you know I got, yes. I got this Warren Spawn. Now Royal yep. Desserts. That was uh, what a Jello, a pudding. What was that? Yeah, it was a Jello type Jello, thing, right? Kind of right off the box, you know. But did you know that two years later in fifty? Those are nineteen fifty, right? Uh, 50 to 52 on my SGC slab. Well, in 52, I believe it is, they issue, they had these premiums. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. No. Yeah. So you, you, they they didn't issue these cards anymore, but they did have these premiums, and they're, they're pretty pretty nice. That's true. Jo John does collect a lot of the premiums. I don't have many premiums, but yeah. a lot of issues do have premium cards that you could you know send in um, – a set or send in a coupon and pay this and you'd be able to pick up a premium. You were shopping for a, a 59 YooHoo, weren't you? Yeah. Those yeah, are very tough to find. Those are very interesting tough. set. And what's cool is uh like they had bats. I know Yogi Berra had a, a bat and it says YooHoo on it and has the Yogi Berra signature. And uh there's something else that they had with Yogi, but um these are interesting cards, not cards you see every day. I was a YooHoo fan growing up. One of my, I'll mention the Red Heart, which I love. Uh, the Musual's got to be one of the prettiest yeah. cards ever created. Like, yeah, and that's his only. He's not in the fifty-four tops, right? Right. This is his right. only. You know, it's not even a. But it, he it, does have these fifty-fives that were on a shoebox, or uh, it, not a shoebox. Uh, uh, they had a, a glove came in a box, and these were on the top of the box or cutouts. I think there were six of them. I have, um, I think, five of them, of the six. And uh, there's actually, man, there's a whole uh, box in full form right now. I think it's, I think it's still on eBay. They were asking like fifty five hundred for it. But I have uh, almost all the. You can pay premium if you come up with a, like the royal desserts thing, the box, you know, a complete box of this. Yeah, but Rick, you know what? That. You're going to pay up for those types of You know things. what's bothering me about the modern hobby? To me, and Mike, I, I talked to you about this on the phone. It's like, because of, because of the way the prices are and everything has to be graded, people take these, these gems, these rare gems, like a complete box, and cut them up so that they can grade them. 
And there was a, I was watching this uh, 1964 uh, Meadow Dairy, and it was the whole bu- uh, milk carton with the top cut off. That thing may be the only one in existence. And it, it has a, a, there's four little tiny cards on it, Mantle, Koufax, Maze, and Bill Mazeroski. And I, I just feel like whoever got that's going to cut it up and send them out individually to get PSA graded. And, and that carton belongs in a museum or something. It may be the only one that exists because those are so rare to begin with, let alone a full carton like that. And that just breaks my heart, to be honest, just because it has to be in a PSA slab. Well, hopefully they don't. Um, you, you, you also mentioned Wilson Franks. One of, you know, I love those as well. Um, I've got the Campanella yep. here that I'm mm-hmm. showing. I think that's one of Campy's coolest cards. And any card that has hot dogs floating in the corner of the card is yeah, a good thing. That's what I always say. That I have the Gil Hodges, amazing. Uh, which is a great card as well. I, I do not have the Ted Williams. It is huge on my bucket list. I have Feller. I have Bob Feller. But it's so expensive, the Williams. I think oh. just the rarity and... I'm fortunate to have the feller, yeah. the 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 um, I the, Teddy, the Ted Williams, the uh, the Campy. I mean, they're. I just I think, love this set. I think and like it's, a it's PSP a small one is like three thousand dollars right now. The Williams, yeah. Now, how about the the 1950 Drakes? I love these. Oh yeah. So these were issued with two different kinds of cookies, and from my experience, when you get the raw one that came in the oatmeal, I believe it's the oatmeal, yeah, oatmeal cookie too. Cookies you can them. smell it. You can still smell the, the cookies on the cards. It's pretty fascinating. And I think I think it's the oatmeal because that's what it smells like to me. Yeah, that, yeah. that one in particular that you can still smell well, pretty, after all these years. Too. They're not the most beautiful card. I mean, they're smaller, you know, in the TV set. But you, you're going to pay up for those types of cards, too, because you just don't see them every day, you know. I was just fascinated with those when I saw them. And how about the cons wieners? Yeah. I mean, these are these are really scarce. And what's interesting about these, they they started making these in 1955, and originally it was just the Cincinnati Reds. Then in '57 they added the Pittsburgh Pirates, and then they started adding different teams here and there over the years. And they ended up doing um, like I, I picked up the Hank Aaron from '65. They started adding the Braves at, at the National. I picked that Aaron up, and then in 1970 they issued one that was just Carl Yaskremski. That, that was it. But um, these are pretty obscure and, and hard to find. But, you know, um, uh, Frank Robinson was Rookie of the Year in 1956, but Topps didn't make him a card. So he has a, a cons with the Cincinnati, you know, and uh, that thing is pricey and very hard to find. You know, one, <clears throat> one set – that uh, is very common now um, is the Burke Ross. I mean, they're, you can find those cards all over the place. They're not the most beautiful cards in the world. The one I have, the Willie Mays, might be the best looking one of the lot. But uh, you can get, you know, again, Hall of Famers relatively inexpensive. Uh, they're definitely not rare, but uh, we kind of tease. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, they, 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 but, there's uh, a difference. I mean, if you wanted a particular player or if you're building a set or in a particular grade, they are <clears> fine, <throat> but the actual, you know, they're not, they're out there. Yeah, Rick, the, I, I don't understand the, the new fascination with those because they were always so affordable. Yeah. Nobody really was all that into them. 
but uh, we have an interesting dynamic going on now where people, you know, they say that that's a rare mantle or whatever. The thing is, is it's not rare. What's rare is the high grade. Yeah. So now we're taking cards that aren't rare, but because PSA only, you know, they're, they're rare and high grade, they're calling them rare. But the card itself isn't rare. The grade is rare. And that's where we've moved to in the hobby. Like you and I, we like that the card is rare, right? Like getting any yeah. example of it. Any example. But now everything's, you know, pop related. And so, you know, everybody thinks this Burke Ross set is so rare now. But that's, I think, where that stems from. How are the Burke Ross? A card I really want to get is the is the 52, not the 51, even though they're the same picture of Joe DiMaggio. Because that's his last card, really. Right. 52 Burke Ross. Um, yeah, now and where how were those distributed? There were uh one card per pack. Um, I don't know what it what it cost, but they're actually distributed that way. And they were uh the east coast, only like east coast, uh, I believe, northeastern area of the US. And uh, I read somewhere that uh they actually were uh given out in movie theaters too. Yeah, cord. But I'm not sure if that's true or not. But uh, there was there were one card per pack, basically. I'm not positive how they were, but I could tell you this: they they came in strips, so there are more than one card. Well, in the fifty one, the fifty ones came two. You know, there, there were strip two cards. Yeah, so those might have been in movie ever. theaters. I I really I really don't know that for certain, but I know that they came in strips uh, because they still exist. You can still get them out there. And they're multiple uh, sports too. I think there are multiple ways, you know, that company would distribute them. We just yeah, that's that's very possible. In fact, a lot of people don't realize that the 1956 Topps cards were also issued out of vending machines. They weren't just in packs. All right, we're going to kind of put a bow on this a little bit, but I want you both to maybe give some advice encouragement maybe to people that are out there wanting to dabble in the oddball type world what what piece of advice or a couple of pieces of advice would you start with rick what would you tell people well i mean the number one thing for everything is pick up uh, you know the players that you enjoy and uh, you don't need to pick up a maze or mantle you could pick up um you know like i mentioned for a kiner a musial a you know Red Shandings, you know, it doesn't have to be a uh, those types of players. You can find them relatively inexpensive. Um, you know, research-wise, um, obviously, I was mentioning that the, uh, for I mean, eBay, you know, or uh, just going on the internet and saying, hey, there's a, I'm interested and I'm a Cardinals fan. Who's in, uh, you know, the the Red Heart set or the who's in the Hires Root Beer set, you know? And uh, once you get one and once it's in front of you, you're going to want more. I mean, I just, you just are when you see up some of these cards in person. So I would say, you know, if you're, I don't know, bored, but uh, if you don't want to kind of pay the big money for a tops card, um, you know, the 52 tops card, then, uh, you know, look for these other types of issues of your favorite players and you can probably get them for, you know, half the amount of money and doesn't not, you don't need, don't worry about so much the grade. I think it's just more the card, but that's just us three here too. You know, we're not, I mean, I, John doesn't sell anything. I don't sell anything. Mike doesn't sell anything. 
So we have the cards and they're in our collection. I'm not trying to, you know, hey, I need a higher grade so I can sell it because it's more rare. You know, I just enjoy cards. And if that's the way they came, hand cut, hey, that's the way they came. And I just enjoy collecting. So I think it's just a matter of, uh, you know, enjoy the players you enjoy. And, and uh, you know, you don't have to spend big money on on oddball cards to, to enjoy the your collection. But, I mean, John and probably John and probably well, agrees with me. I, my, my, we're, my, collectors. My, we're just collectors, you know, we're not trying to flip anything and not hyping anything. Yeah. yeah hyping my, anything or... my, uh, my advice would be uh, similar in that collect what you like, collect what you want. Don't let the hobby dictate to you because I'll tell you what, years ago when I was buying these things up and, and nobody seemed to want them and I was getting them for next to nothing. Now, a few years later, that's what's hot. Things come and go in the hobby as far as what's hot and what's not. And uh, a lot of the things I was buying up, you know, nobody uh, had a, a big interest in. But over time, that has changed in a big way. So that's that's first. The other thing I, mean, I would I say. We all, we, all collect, yeah. <laughs> we all collect vintage, but we all collect differently. Mike is in the set registry. He wants every single Hall of Famer from every issue of Tops. He wants, you know, doesn't have to be a high grade, right, Mike? Three, four, five, six, seven, you know. Right. I don't do that. I, I have my beater cards that I have when I grew up, and I don't need another. Um, I know Mike doesn't collect this way high grade, but I don't need a, a seven, eight, nine, 65 maze, you know. I have my maze, and I'm venturing out on some other stuff that I tend to enjoy. Not everyone's going to enjoy what I collect. Not everyone, John. John, I tease him. He's kind of more, he collects everything. Hoarder. He's, I call him like a kind of a, in a good way, a hoarder. I mean, he'll, but he'll, you know. It's not hoarding. If I you have I'm cool more, stuff. Yeah. I'm <laughs> just more specific nowadays in my collection. To me, I like the rare stuff. I'm searching for the rare stuff. And that's, I might change a few years from now, but that's just the way. I, so you have to kind of, you can't force it. You're just going to have to, you know, collect what you enjoy and you're not going to go wrong. But uh, The other thing I would I would recommend if you're going to get into those things is I would recommend you buy some raw ones from reputable dealers and you feel them and touch them and smell them. Because, yeah. like I said, with the Drakes, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. And when uh, with, now with uh, grading being so popular, people have no idea the thickness of the card what it feels like, what it smells like. Some are real thin, some are a little thicker. And so if you encounter cards, you, you really don't know what they, you know, if you encounter raw ones, you may want to buy at a flea market or somebody's garage sale. You, you won't even know. You will have no idea. Especially and I think that's the best way to educate yourself. Because, you know, yeah, these they're, 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 root beers, the, yeah. uh, the dog feel, food. A lot of them feel differently. Smell, you literally can smell whatever the product is on some of these cards, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Because I mean, the more that you are not the, that you don't educate yourself, you don't touch the cards, smell the cards, feel the cards, the more you're relying on other people to tell, you know, that's my, that's my thinking anyway. I love it. Well, guys, y'all have just thrown out a gauntlet of information for people to go through. Hopefully you're interested in that and it just piques an interest for you in something like they all said, collect what you like, collect your play, favorite players, your favorite teams, look who's in the different sets. Do your, my biggest piece of advice is do your own homework. 
Uh, don't just uh, look on eBay and go, yep, that's what that is. I mean, go talk to people. I mean, yeah. That's I mean, good advice, Mike, because I've, I've seen lots of things mislabeled or something. They'll call it a rookie card and it's, you know, seven years after his rookie card or whatever. Get a hold of the three of us. I mean, if I don't know it, Mike might know it. John might know it. Dave, somebody's going to know something about these. <clears throat> and I enjoy people contacting me. I learn a lot from people, you know, so uh, ask questions, you know, don't, don't be shy. I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, not that I'm special or anything. But I collect this rare stuff or this oddball stuff, and people seem a little bit threatened because they don't know anything about it. What I collect, you know, they know the tops or something. But ask questions. I don't know everything. John doesn't the know everything. Is, you learn. First of all, you don't, you don't know till you know. And yeah. this, the other thing is none of us are going to blow smoke up your ass either. Mm -hmm. If we don't know, we're going to tell you we don't know. We're not going to say, well, that's a, you know, and make something up. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I just, I just have to say, man, you know, it is just a wonderful world of collecting to delve into these things, into these, yeah. these unique card issues. It is so, it's, it's so much fun for me. I can't even, I can't even say it enough. And it's, it's just opens up a whole new wonderful world of collecting. Mike, no you're doubt. getting closer to finishing a lot of these things. Are you going to need to come over and, to our world and start collecting all this uh, <laughs> royal desserts and the stall Myers and the hires, all the different starting. There you go. Sugardale meats. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, it. Uh, I really do. I, I, I have a smell of Ruth. The home run, the derby. home run derbies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I got Beautiful a, cards, man. I, so yeah, the home run derbies are tough. So expensive. I got the Ernie Banks not so long ago. Well, guys, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, if you need information or you heard something, please, please, please go follow these two guys on YouTube. Rick is Vintage Oddball Cards on YouTube. John is just the Mangini Collection, M-A-N-G-I-N-I -I Collection. Go check them out. You will, I promise, learn something new and make some new friends and be able to ask questions. So feel free to take advantage of that. Go check these guys out. And guys, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Was it was fun. It was really Thanks, fun. Mike. I'm just honored to be on with Rick. Oh, there we go. And I'm always I'm, honored to be on with you, Mike. I'm honored to have Rick on. I'm just <laughs> thrilled to death that he agreed to do this. And Rick, I, I people out there are going to really uh, yeah, feel I'm, I'm, how much you know. I should have done this a long time ago, I guess. You know, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I love talking cards. You know, I can Rick. It's never too late to do the right thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, thanks, Mike. I really enjoyed it, man. I'm you bet, guys. We all have a good one. And out there, everybody, no matter what you're collecting, if it's dog food cards or post cereal <laughs> or, you know, lollipop cards, I don't care. Just have fun with it and uh, exactly. keep collecting. Take care, guys.